When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is going on, Dodger fans? The second half is underway. Your Los Angeles Dodgers are 51 and 38, tied with the Arizona Diamondbacks for the lead in the National League West. And of course, you're listening to the Incline Dodgers podcast presented by Fansided National League. Finally won an all star game. It's been way too goddamn long. Elias Diaz, randomly the NL MVP. So if you had bet on him, then you made a lot of money because I don't think anyone saw that coming. But the National League, led by Craig Kimbrell getting the save, just a weird game. The drought's over. They haven't won since 2012. Uh, but who cares about the All-Star game, honestly? Let's talk some Dodgers. Kevin Klein here, joined by Dusty Baker. He is making his return after winning the World Series with the Houston Astros. <laughs> oh, just kidding. We got the better Dusty on the show. And he's made a, he's made a big move that we're going to talk about right now. So you can follow him on Twitter at DustyBakerTV. Let's get him in on the show. Dusty. What's happening? What's new? Tell the listeners what you've been up to. It's uh, it's good to be back on my favorite and the best Dodgers podcast out there. So uh, it, it's a pleasure to join you guys again. We were talking before the show. Uh, this is like my biannual uh, joining of the show. It seems like I'm on here, you know, once or twice a year. And it's it's always a good time uh, joining the fellas. Uh, and so uh, glad to be back. But yeah, I made a, a pretty substantial move. I was in San Luis Obispo, California the last time that I was on this podcast. And uh, I made a substantial move out to the other side of the country. I uh, now live in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I work for the NBC station out here. And so I cover primarily, I mean, the University of Louisville, the University of Kentucky. Those are kind of the focuses. And then uh, we are the flagship station for the Kentucky Derby. So needless to say, uh, it was really funny. Um, yesterday, the, the day of recording is the day of the All-Star game. Yesterday with the Home Run Derby, I talked to a few people and I said, yeah, I'm going to watch the Derby tonight. And there were a lot of really puzzled faces because they thought I was talking about the Kentucky Derby. 
<laughs> and so, uh, you know, it, it's been uh, it's been interesting. You know, the the lingo out here, just the people are very nice. Um, I've really enjoyed the opportunity. And actually, a lot of what I cover are the Cincinnati Reds and uh, eventually the Cincinnati Bengals as well. So I've had a lot of exposure in the area that maybe I never had, you know, any idea I would be covering. It's been really eye opening because I think it's been the first time kind of where I've tried not to be a complete homer to the Dodgers per se. Um, You know, I I've had kind of more of a biased approach to the Dodgers over the years, just because that's the team I grew up with. And, you know, obviously the fandom inside of me, it will never die, but I think it's challenged me out here a little bit that, okay, how do I look at baseball from a more objective standpoint, right? How do I look at it and not say, you know, the Dodgers are winning 162 games a year, right? Like, like, how do I do that? Um, and how do I make it so I'm not upsetting Reds fans? Because, you know, that's kind of my target audience out here. And um, that, that's that been kind of an interesting adjustment, per se. I'm not going to lie. I still tweet about the Dodgers all the time. And uh, I've had a couple of talks with my news director about that. So, and oh. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm slowly but surely kind of transitioning without, you know, pushing it aside, per se, but trying to find some balance. And, um, you know, it's a learning experience. I, I started in Texas then moved to San Luis Obispo and, and, you know, obviously the California kid in me won't ever die. So there's always going to be a little Dodger blue, but out here in Louisville, it's been pretty special to be out here. I'll leave it to Dusty to go further in depth on just how good the Reds are going to be. But coming into the season, I figured the Reds were going to inch a little forward, but I didn't expect them to be this good. Like I had heard of Ellie De La Cruz. I didn't realize local product Matt McLean was going to be MLB ready. And then Spencer Steer, I'd never heard of. And now he's been a driving force on my fantasy team. <laughs> and then, then other guys like TJ Friedel have really stepped up. I have him and Fraley on my roster. But yeah, I'll leave it to Dusty, who's been able to see these guys in Louisville develop firsthand and make it electric, a in, instant impact at the MLB level. It's been really interesting to watch because you know for years now we've been talking about dodgers prospects just churning left and right kind of out of nowhere the reds are starting to do that and while we're always talking about la de la cruz now every single day and i I was fortunate enough to talk to him you know really nice guy way taller than me um he's not necessarily built the way you would expect you know a perennial potential you know superstar to be built he's kind of lanky He's very tall, as I mentioned, and he's just so fast, man. It is it, the speed is for real. I saw it at that level and kind of knew when I saw him steal a base for the first time that there was going to be something incredibly special. But we're not done seeing what the Reds are developing. And for Dodgers fans, I don't know if this is the year to really be concerned about that yet. I, I think that if they got matched up with the Reds, per se, in the first round of the playoffs, you'd have to think that the Reds had to make a move or two for starting pitching before getting concerned about that. But down the road, this is going to be a really tough organization to deal with until contract talks come up, which we're talking, you know, five years down the road, because I'll point you at a couple names that I already am talking about here in Louisville, a Christian Encarnacion strand. If the Reds call him up, CES is as good of potential. I would say as anybody in this organization, um, the power is for real. The average, he hits for average. He he gets on base frequently. He's just a huge bat. Um, Noel V. Marte is a piece that they acquired from the Seattle Mariners when they traded Luis Castillo, which, you know, now you look at it, it's like, what if they didn't trade Castillo? I was going to bring yeah. that up. Oh, man, it would be such an interesting talk because then you're talking about, holy cow, if the Dodgers matched up, like, you have to hope that the rotation's healthy against a healthy Luis Castillo, but you don't have to worry about that right now, at least. 
Um, but they just have a- another key piece now. Um, Noel V. Marte seems like the triples king. He's already tripled a couple times in Louisville and in triple A. And uh, the other name I'll throw out there is Connor Phillips, who after Andrew Abbott was called up, and by the way, was so fun to watch in the minor leagues, knew that he was going to be pretty solid in the MLB. I'm going to say Connor Phillips maybe won't be the exact same as far as run prevention, but as far as strikeout potential, it's it's not quite Spencer Strider status, but it's nearing that potential. And then what the Reds did in the draft too, uh, I love the picks that they had with both Louder as well as Ty out of LSU. I mean, like the Ty Floyd is a special talent if he can actually tap into his potential. You got two guys that could come into the MLB next year. So uh, a lot of talk, obviously, on this Dodgers podcast. We're going to talk about the Dodgers, but you got to watch out for the Reds down the road. Uh, no longer a team to sit back and say, ah, oh, it's just the Reds. I promise you they are they're for real. And, and they're just reloading as we move on. Yeah, that's fascinating stuff. Got to wonder if a Reds Pirates resurgence rivalry is brewing. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say the Reds at the moment have the edge in that, but uh, we have to see the Pirates get O'Neill Cruz back, and then all of a sudden, you never know. Because yes, that's a great name to throw out there, and, and being in this part of the country, obviously, a lot of talk is going to be about the Braves, right? Like the Braves, Atlanta's super close. Um, the Reds are the main talk of the area, but. Uh, you know, you can't forget that the Pirates are doing at least something to develop in the proper direction. And it's a little harder to say what Milwaukee's doing. Um, they're just kind of stagnant. They're they're hanging in there. But I think the Reds are going to come out on top in first place. And then it's going to be a matter of how they address the deadline that, you know, could maybe have Dodgers fans on alert. Because as of right now, if I'm not mistaken, like technically the line would have it where if the Reds won in the first round, I mean, they they theoretically could snag a spot and face the Dodgers uh, in the playoffs. So that would be kind of intriguing uh, to watch that down the road. Absolutely. All right, enough Reds talk. Let's talk (laughs) some Dodgers. Even when they're not playing, the Dodgers find ways to make splashes in the headlines. And this isn't a good headline, but the Dodgers sent down Miguel Vargas to AAA. The 195 hitter this season was batting 138 over his last 30 games played. As the weeks were progressing there was more and more miguel vargas talk on this podcast and there were a lot of questions and debates whether they'd send him down and the dodgers pulled the trigger um can't say i'm surprised just based off his play unfortunately miguel vargas has kind of been a disappointment especially over the last month with the stats i just read off seems like maybe the fracture to his finger that he suffered right before spring training has a big part of just his setback uh, there were he- there were quotes from Miguel Vargas or observations, I should say, pointing out pointing out that he had developed some bad habits and his approach at the plate turned him turned him into a more defensive hitter. So let's start let's start with Miguel Vargas, Dusty. Uh, what are your thoughts? Was this the right move? Uh, was it the wrong move? Let's hear it. Yeah, it was absolutely the right move. I mean, there's something to be said about development. You know, we forget that he's only 23 years old and the potential is still there. I mean, if you look at his figure. He's six foot three. He's two hundred and five pounds. I mean, uh, there's obviously the physical potential uh, to s- just speak on uh, what you see from the eye, and then you kind of go a little deeper into the numbers, and he's kind of intriguing as far as I guess like the idea that maybe some development in the minors could further his approach a little better. Uh, there is at least a decent eye that Miguel Vargas has, so his K rate it's. It's in the 61st percentile in Major League Baseball. His walk rate's actually fairly elite, um, and his chase rate is elite as well. So 
the fact of the matter is he's not necessarily swinging at terrible pitches, but he's also not hitting the ball hard at all. Uh, you talk about expected batting average. That's in the bottom 10% hard hit rates in the bottom 15%. Same for expected slugging. Like he's not hitting the ball hard. And the other thing, if you look at his spray chart, uh, one thing that's a slightly bit of a concern to me is it seems like when he does actually make contact and hits for base hits uh, or anything above that, he generally is pulling the ball as well. And oftentimes, uh, you know, at, as a guy that's actually hit with Robert Vince Skoyak, I can tell you exactly what the approach is. Vince Skoyak will teach his hitters that the approach is look to drive it to right center field. And the spray chart shows that he's just simply not doing that. Um I think that over time, if he can kind of in the minor leagues develop more of an approach to drive to right center field, maybe that'll help him a little bit. It just seems like he's not making hard contact overall, though. And that's an issue that can be corrected, I think, a little bit. And it's because of the barrel rate. I mean, he's not really barreling anything up at the moment. So yep. I'm intrigued to see, you know, if if a little bit of time in the minor leagues maybe can kind of change his mentality a little bit. I'm a little bit concerned. I'm not going to lie. I'm a tad bit concerned because not a lot of like Dodgers prospects per se in the last couple of years have necessarily lived up to exactly the hype that we hoped for. I mean, you you obviously the first name you could throw out is Gavin Lux and it's a little unfair considering, you know, this might've been the year he could have gone off and then he gets the ACL injury. But, um, you know, in the early portions of their careers, they are certainly not showing a lot of signs of success from their younger guys. And maybe that's just the game. Maybe that's just part of the the frustration, the difficulty. Um, but it is a little difficult to see it considering, you know, you look at Atlanta and, and Ronald Acuna Jr. is a prodigy, right? Like you're not going to develop Ronald Acuna Jr. every single day. But to see guys like him come out and then Michael Harris comes out and, and hits well and, and just kind of the immediate success that some of these other teams may have seen from the Julio Rodriguez's of the world. It, it's a little bit frustrating when Miguel Vargas was such a highly touted prospect, but you also have to be patient, right? Like I still think Jared Kellenick has something in the tank in Seattle and, and we may not see him actually kind of go into that for another year or two, or maybe even three. Right. So it could just be the trajectory, uh, the timeline. It, it's, it's a little bit of a bummer just because nobody was blocking him. Right. And so now all of a sudden you run into the question of, will he have somebody blocking him? What did they do with Michael Bush? Um, that's, that's kind of the, the issue. I think the Dodgers are going to have to figure out right now. Yeah. So many great things that you, you just said, I really like that. You brought up that he's, he's pulling the ball. Yeah. Look at his spray chart as well. Very few opposite field hits, not hitting the ball at all whatsoever. And that's been pretty apparent. If you, if you watch the games, a lot of weak pop-ups, very few almost home runs weak expecting batting average. And then I look at his outs above average and I was mm-hmm. surprised to see he's actually one of the worst graded second baseman in baseball. Yeah. And it's, it's not a total shock because the position's new to him, but this almost feels like the stats are defeating the eye test. Cause if you had to ask me, if you had asked me what I would have thought of him defensively, I would have said, yeah, he's been a pretty average defender, but apparently he's been one of the worst defenders. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, and then, yeah, Michael Bush, it it does not look like they're going to call it Michael Bush because the latest report indicates that barring setback, Chris Taylor will be activated and he'll take Miguel Vargas's spot, I imagine, at second base. But you have to wonder if you're the Dodgers now. I still think they're going to ride Miguel Vargas over Bush, but maybe they're more hesitant now to trade Michael Bush at the trade deadline unless it's for a return that they absolutely love. 
Yeah, it's it's really a challenge. I, I man, the deadline is very intriguing this year to me too, just simply because you know, I, I think a lot of Dodgers fans want to convince themselves based off the fact that the lineup is, you know, OPS overall, it's it's pretty legit. I mean, it's top three. And there, there's no lie to that. I mean, you have you saw the all-star game. You have three guys that are hitting back to back to back in the all-star game for a reason. But I worry about the production at the bottom of the lineup a little bit because you can't rely on Mookie and Freddie and JD and Will to hit a bomb every game, right? And uh, you got to have overall production. And it's very easy to look at this team and say, okay, well, they have success here and here. But there are holes because if you want to talk about a team that's going to be a World Series contender, I have to line them up directly with the Braves. And the Braves just simply do not have really any holes from top to bottom. Like it's it's insane the difference. Um, like Eddie Rosario is in their seven hole. You talk about <laughs> Orlando. It's it's crazy. Like I I don't want to see that guy in the playoffs against the Dodgers. By the way, I don't think any Dodgers fan does. But Sean Murphy has been so successful for them oh, too. Yeah. Like great pickup. It was huge. And, and, you know, the Dodgers, it's just bizarre. Like, I, I I have a hard time just with the offensive side with the Rojas at shortstop. Like, there are pieces kind of all over that I'm, like, i just not confident per se. But I think it does start at the second base position because we almost penciled in Vargas as, hey, guess what? We have Miguel Vargas. Like, we're good at that position. And now it's like, and originally it was Lux, right? Like, originally we were thinking Lux was going to do that um at shortstop for us and it's just it's kind of not really gone according to plan in that position per se so the avenue that they're gonna take they're gonna have to be a little creative and it may be involving making a trade at the deadline like it really may have to be that if they want to go all in but once again it's just hard to say exactly what the right answer is for that absolutely yeah we'll, we'll get into some more trade deadline talk later on in this episode because what's an inclined episode with dusty without <laughs> some trade deadline talk right. <laughs> but you know you brought up a point that i don't know if i entirely agree with about the offense i don't i don't think you said they took a step back from last season mm-hmm. but they are better overall than they were at this point a season ago overall numbers wise yeah absolutely so, like and, my, it, and it comes from the top for sure that is a big part of it uh, more on Mookie in a second, but I mean, you look at 2022 heading into the all-star break, 772 OPS, 117 mm-hmm. home runs, 462 runs scored this season right now, 785 OPS, 149 home runs, 494 runs scored. And I think the difference uh, with this team versus last year, you're getting more production out of role players like David Peralta, Jason Hayward, um, J.D. Martinez has obviously been a huge factor at DH. Max Muncy, healthy, hitting a lot of home runs over, I think he's at 21. Versus last season, it felt like you had Mookie, Trey, and Freddie, Mm -hmm. a little bit from JT, and then a giant, and Smith, and a giant black hole until you got to Lux at the nine hole because Bellinger was bad. um, Really bad. (laughs) He was really bad. When they brought in Gallo, he was bad. Taylor was bad. I'm already blacking out because I just don't want to remember those other bad hitters. But uh, the point <laughs> is, I feel like they're, they have some weaknesses. Obviously Vargas was essentially an automatic out. Miguel Rojas, no power, but can get on base occasionally. And then James Outman has his great flashes. So I feel like this team overall is more well-rounded, but they definitely could use a bat to most certainly balance out this lineup. Um, so that leads us to a question from a Amazola 24 
Can Mookie win the MVP if he puts up similar numbers that he did in the first half? Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, Ronald Acuna Jr. has got to be the favorite, right? And it's just because Ronald Acuna Jr., quite frankly, is going on a crazy run where um, we might see, you know, beyond 40-40, right? And so you may have to it's, – it's almost kind of a bummer because on any given season, Mookie Betts is putting up the kind of numbers that probably should net him the MVP, right? And it's just – kind of a bummer that there's a guy in the league that is putting up such insane numbers. It, it kind of goes back to the whole Aaron judge talk from a year ago where it's like, do you go judge or Otani? And you know, on any given year, Otani's probably winning the MVP that year, but then judge hit 62 bombs. And I mean, what, what can you do to really you know, right. argue against that? And so I think it's the same concept where you're going to have to almost see Mookie put up the same numbers, but have a regression from Ronald Acuna jr. Um, it, it's funny because Mookie has the chance to win the MVP still. I think Freddie Freeman equally should have a shot. Freddie has just put up insane numbers this year. Um, like those two, you could coin flip it for me practically. And I could make an argument either way for them. Um, and then I sit here and I'm like, Acuna, man, has just been so lethal. And the numbers are just so hard to dispute that I think I need to see a drop off there yeah. before I can, you know, proclaim anything else. But I, I think, yeah, Mook, can Mookie win it? Absolutely. And honestly, you know, if Acuna is not in the league, he probably does. Yeah. And the other factor is that Ronald Acuna is putting up these stats on the best team. Exactly. And I, and I typically want to give the MVP to a guy in contention. So what is he going to have? 40 home runs, potentially 80 steals if he keeps it up. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And then Mookie, I, Mookie, on the other hand, you, you can't discredit him. 
4.2 war at this point, 157 WRC plus 26 home runs, something he's never done at this point in his career. Um, he's on pace for 40 plus home runs. He's been, he's been an MVP player. It's just like Dusty was saying, there just happens to be one better player than him right now. I think what's crazy too is Acuna's. I mean, you can look at all the the flashy numbers of the home runs, the stolen bases. Acuna also has an on base percentage of over 400. It's 408. And Freddie Freeman's awfully close. He's 396. Mookie's, you know, a little further down at 379. It's just, it, you, you go across the numbers and it's like Acuna is just playing at some crazy historic pace right now. Um, as far as like the combination of counting stats that he's putting together, it's pretty remarkable. So it's, it's not hard to see Mookie being an MVP, like obviously, but I think it's just the challenge of Acuna. I, I really do. I think that's really the only thing that can stand in the way of Mookie or potentially Freddie Freeman getting the MVP. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to recap the first half, obviously Mookie Betts is this team's MVP right behind him has to be Freddie Freeman. Who's been Freddie Freeman esque as well. 155 WRC plus 17 home runs, 3.8 war crazy high on base percentage as well. I mean, that is about as best as you can get it from your top two superstars. Um, so Dusty, I'm going to leave this question to you then. Um, what are what are your overall, what's your overall impression on this Dodgers first half? Do they live up to your expectations? Are you still disappointed like you were a few weeks ago? Are you becoming more um, fond of them? Let's hear it. Yeah. Um, and like, this kind of goes back to the concept of, you know, I'm trying to keep it as non-biased as possible. Um, I think the resurgence here at the last week or so gave me some hope. Like what a good way to end, you know, the first half. Right. Um, but I also can't help, but, you know, look that the week before they lose a series to the Royals that they probably shouldn't have. And, um, you know, you have just kind of series that stick out. I, the red series actually really stood out to me. Um, that one was huge because you kind of saw the fall of the Dodgers a little bit initially, and you saw the rise of the reds. Like it was two teams going in opposite directions. And, I will say, I think one thing that I did really appreciate from the Dodgers in this first half is it's actually a really gritty team. Okay. It's more gritty than I think I expected it to be. And I think we saw that quite frankly, as more injuries happen, like the more injured pitchers that go down, the like grittier this team gets, uh, they hang around. They don't, you know, necessarily lay down the series against the angels. Granted the angels totally going in a free fall. Um, but I, I was impressed by just the way they handled that. They have had a little bit of luck as far as running into teams that maybe haven't been at the height of their, you know, seasons per se. Like they ran into the Astros without having Jordan Alvarez having to face him. Um, so that was kind of lucky to kind of avoid that, but you can make the argument the other way around. Like those teams haven't had to face the Dodgers rotation. So it's, it's neither here nor there. The Dodgers have done a really good job at combating the fact that, they've had a lot of injuries, right? They've had yeah. to deal with this a lot, but the, the concern I guess I have is they've had a lot of injuries, right? And so we're so quick to jump to the conclusion of once a guy gets back that they're back. Right. And I think Daniel Hudson's a perfect example, right? Like you see them come back and immediately they're back on the shelf. Like it, it's, you can't just jump to the conclusion that the moment that Clayton Kershaw comes back, that he'll be exactly Clayton Kershaw. The moment that he steps back. Now I, I think Kershaw He's built different. He's done this before. He's going to find a way to return easily. But you look down the list and it's I'm not as confident maybe uh, as in other players as I would be in a Kershaw. Right. And so 
Um, that that's the only major concern I have. I'm not a fan of the bullpen at all. I, I think this bullpen, th- this team has no chance of winning the world series. If they don't address the bullpen, like the bullpen has been better down uh, the last couple of weeks, but I still need to see one to two arms moving over there before I'm confident because there, there's not an arm outside of Evan Phillips yeah. that I'm overly excited about. I think Caleb Ferguson has started to show some signs of, uh, the, the success that we kind of expected from him. Um, and I think that he's for real. I think that that's a guy that you can turn to, uh, that you can trust Alex Vesia. I don't understand how he's still on this team <laughs> starting roster. Like it's, it's really hard to, <laughs> to navigate that one and, and convince myself that he belongs here. Um, but the, I, overall, I would say that I expected based off the moves in the off season uh, or the lack thereof for the most part. Um, that it was going to be like a B plus season. They're kind of hovering around the A minus region. So maybe they're a little bit better than I expected. Um, just because I didn't expect JD Martinez to be an all-star like he has been, right? Like that has been arguably the signing of the off season. So uh, for, for any team in major league baseball. Um, so I'll, I'll give it kind of a, an 88, 89%, right? It's like hovering on the A minus B plus range. That's kind of where they sit. Um, I just I think the bullpen scares me and the rotation you can't like say that they're doing anything wrong they're just getting injured I mean that's it's just that's tough luck right that's that's part of baseball and um yeah you can't really control that definitely injuries with the rotation they ranked I believe 20th out of 30th in um Nash or MLB ERA which I found that kind of surprising I thought they'd be a top five rotation so I'll take my L, but there there's an asterisk because of the injuries. Uh, you did throw out a word that I really um in in I'm in sync with as well is the grit. Last season it felt like they were really preppy, only would stay at like a four seasons Dodgers team. <laughs> any any adversity that came their way, it seemed like they looked the other way. This season it, it seems like there is far more grit. They'll stay at a Radisson Inn or a, a Holiday Inn when the when the going gets tough. They're willing to fight back. I mean, they've been down by four plus runs a number of times and they clawed their way back and they would have had more comeback wins if the bullpen didn't falter. And so, like Dusty was saying, if they can address this bullpen, I think that really could be the the turning point for this Dodgers win loss record. Still think they're going to get mid 90s in terms of wins. I think they'll still win the division. Seems like the D-backs are falling into a little bit of a slide. The Giants have come back down to earth and then who knows what the Padres um, but in terms of the Dodgers bullpen, that's a question that came on threads, actually. And it's from the real Jay Carlos. How does the bullpen get better? Obviously, they got to make a trade. Um, Daniel Hudson going down was just a huge blow because when they got him back, that kind of was some serious duct tape on their on their flaws. But with him going back down, potentially missing the season, we're kind of back to square one. I'm pretty comfortable overpaying for a reliever this trade deadline In years past. I would have kind of been hesitant and wanted to hold the prospects like the Miguel Vargas's or Bobby Miller's or Emmett Sheehan's. But this season, if there's a superstar reliever that hits the market, I'm okay. I think trading a prospect that would rank six through 10 for us if it's the right guy. Yeah, I, I kind of sit there too. The thing that's hard for me, and I've, I've kind of scanned this for a little bit, I, I want the Mets not to do well <laughs> because I think David Robertson 
would be a pickup that you don't have to cost like a high prospect per se. Right. And I think that the value that you get out of David Robertson for, you know, a year is pretty solid um, because he's a free agent at the end of the year as well. Uh, It's what's really frustrating. I've seen it all over Twitter today is Craig Kimbrell. The idea that, you know, why couldn't he have done what he's been doing this year really with the Dodgers? It's it's saying that you see Kenley Jansen and Craig Kimbrell in an all-star game. And you're like, man, we have Evan Phillips, which has been great. But um, the idea that Kimbrell couldn't do what he's been doing now for the Dodgers is kind of annoying. Uh, I think David Robertson would be a great fit, though. Uh, the Mets have got to basically lose a ton of baseball games to sell. Um, I don't think that's going to cost you a major prospect. I'm also intrigued by the White Sox. Uh, Liam Hendricks, I don't know how much I can trust the health. Uh, there's obviously been the fact that he had to overcome cancer and then, you know, he's been off and on the IL. So um, he's a guy that you kind of look at as a potential target. His um, teammate Kendall Graveman is the move if he's I like that. If he's like unhealthy. That. But yeah, David Robertson's a guy I've wanted to be on the Dodgers for years. And you look at his advanced metrics, they are just off the chart. Like, this guy has insane fastball spin movement. Mm-hmm. He doesn't walk a lot of hitters. He has a great curveball spin as well, high K rate. And so if the Mets decide they're willing to sell, which I don't know if they're convinced they will yet, I agree 100%. I would love David Robertson. He can. He's proven he can close games. He was with the Phillies when they uh, made their World Series run, although I think he hurt himself in the NLDS or NLCS, jumping up and down. But I think he came back for the World Series. But... He has a lot of experience and um, didn't mean to cut you off. So I'll let you uh, continue. No, no, you, you nailed it. I mean, like that's pretty much though. Like if you go through the list of guys that truly stick out, I think we kind of have the short list right there. You're, you're talking David Robertson, Liam Hedricks and Kendall Graven. Like, I think those are the three. It's a shame because there were all this Chapman was on that list too. And then the Rangers poached him really quickly. Uh, you know, I, it's just hard because a lot of the good relievers, I mean, they're on good teams. Like that's just how it's going to go. Right. Um, I, it's hard. It's hard to say who exactly will be available. Um, but I totally agree. I think that if there's the opportunity to acquire a potentially, you know, solid, even reliever that like can put you over the top, I'm okay. Tossing the prospect out, but you know, a David Robertson's great because of the age. I just think that you know that you're not acquiring a guy that's going to be on your team longevity wise. So he's probably not going to cost as much. It probably will cost you, you know, a mid prospect of, of like 15, 16, something in that range, I would guess, which is I'm way more than willing to sell on a, a couple of those. If it reels in a guy that you can trust in the eighth or potentially the ninth inning, right? Like Robertson can be your closer um, and they can throw Evan Phillips back into kind of the role they've had in the past. So uh, it's a matter of kind of how they want to navigate that. But that would be my number one target. Um, I think Kendall Graveman's a solid one. It's just uh, the market's kind of thin, man, as far as relievers I trust. And so that doesn't bode well, because like I said, I kind of think they're they're two bullpen arms away. Um, so maybe a Liam Hendricks and Kendall Graveman dual acquisition might have to be in play. Uh, you know, people are throwing out Joe Kelly as well as a name. Ugh. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't, I don't know if I trust that. So, um, yeah, the short list is not a long list. It's, it's a short list for a reason. So for GD Luhosh's question, which off the, off the radar trade deadline signing should the Dodgers make a guy that I've become more intrigued by recently 
the left-handed reliever for the Rockies, Brent Suter. If the Dodgers really only have Caleb Ferguson that they can trust as their sole lefty out of the pen, this guy doesn't strike anyone out. He doesn't throw hard, but for whatever reason, he just generates a ton of soft contact and he has a 264 expected ERA while pitching for the Rockies. I mean, his average exit velocity is number one in the sport, nearly the best against hard hit rate as well. This, I think he was a, uh, he might have started game one for the Brewers randomly in that 2020 I think wild he did. card game. As I think he did. So he's been in the postseason. If the Rockies are willing to trade within the division, wouldn't rule him out as a potential sneaky lefty trade deadline pickup. Yeah, I don't mind that. I and I I actually totally agree with you that there's going to have to be another lefty uh, acquired or brought in at some point in time. So um, that is not a bad option by any means, and that's not going to cost you much either. Uh, you normally trades within the division, I would say, that really kind of turn heads or maybe are are the ones that don't happen involve position players right but the most likely ones to move are going to be relievers and so yeah i don't see that to be much of a problem i think more than anything else it's dealing with the rockies who just can't seem to understand how to you know run an organization so uh i think that's going to be the big issue is dealing with a team like that but i i like that name um i'd like an arm that i think i could trust a little more but as far as just out of the bullpen as a lefty arm yeah that's that's not a bad one to flow out there because they are incredibly weak in that department. And, you know, that's going to be a, a spot where, remember, they're they're competing against other teams for these same guys. So they're going to have to go out there and make a move maybe prior to the deadline, just the way that the Rangers did. I mean, the Rangers jumped early. And so you may have to see the Dodgers make a move, like, right around now, actually, a, a week early. Like, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it if they just sit on their hands and wait till the deadline. The second half of baseball is back, baby, and there's no better place to buy your tickets than Tick Pick. Download the app today, search for your favorite MLB team. Hopefully, it's the Los Angeles Dodgers, and you'll find the best deals out there over on Tick Pick. No service fees at checkout. So, the price you see is the final price you're paying. They have a great seat viewfinder as well, so you can figure out exactly what your view is going to look like before checkout. I've been using TickPick all season to get the best deals on not only Dodgers tickets, but concert events as well. And I'm loving every second of it. So do yourself a favor, save some money, download the TickPick app today. Proud sponsor of this podcast. So Dusty, that leads me to my next set segue because you brought up the Dodgers maybe needing to trade earlier than the trade deadline. And that might actually be for starting pitching. We already alluded that this team's banged up. They've lost May. Tony Gonsolin was great in his last outing against the angels, but you never know when he's going to get hurt. Urias healthy. Finally Kershaw technically on the aisle, but he should be back for the second half, but it just takes one injury in there. They're in shambles. So I do think they are going to trade for a starting pitcher and what better guy to go after right now than the man who recently announced he's single again oh, on no. Instagram <laughs> during the all-star all-star game or during the home run derby. Lucas Giolito of the White Sox, who we've been talking about for weeks, bring him back home. Maybe his his soulmate, who the, the one that got away is living out here in Los Angeles. So he has a chance to rekindle something. <laughs> Poor <laughs> guy, man. <laughs> spark plug. Yeah. Uh, I faced him in high school. The kid was unbelievable. Um, yeah, I 
You know, th- there's one thing I'm, I'm, and I'm not joking, I guess, about this. There's one thing that scares me because I, I totally agree with you. I think Giolito is a perfect target for the Dodgers. You have to wonder, is he like mentally going to be okay after this? Like truly it is, you know, you've seen a lot of these guys now lately. I think Daniel Bard's an easy one to throw out there. Um, like the mental side of the game has really impacted them. I think Austin Meadows kind of comes to mind and you worry like, yeah, bringing him home might actually be the best thing for him, but is baseball the best thing for him right now? I, I don't know. I mean, Ben Zobris, do you remember that whole saga too? Like it's like when divorce goes public and like, I remember seeing earlier today, like Fox news was tweeting this and MSNBC, like you're like, these major like national news sources are like blowing up your, your divorce, like on, on a stage. And I, granted, I don't know why he decided to announce it, you know, during the home run derby. It's just like, that is the worst time you could possibly do that. But um, yeah, I, I think the fit itself, like the baseball side of things makes perfect sense. Um, you're talking about a guy that Mark Pryor could easily transform back into what essentially is an all-star starting pitcher that has frontline potential to be an ace actually. Um, and he's young and, you know, the White Sox are going to be in cell mode. So it makes perfect sense. It kind of goes with the fact that we were talking about a package, right? That may include Hendricks and Graveman. I mean, heck, why doesn't Giolito fit into that? Well, and then you do throw a blue chip prospect that you have and, um, you're bringing all three, right. Or a couple of those blue chips. It's very much a possibility, but I'm not going to lie to you. I would be just the tiniest bit concerned about the actual, like, like real life issue like like there's we've seen the dodgers be impacted by real life problems right like off field issues you know the the one thing that i'll never forget matt kemp when matt kemp was dating rihanna all of a sudden you saw the numbers drop off right and so on the flip side you're having a divorce like the worst thing you could probably deal with like during a baseball season that is complicated that's complex that your mind is probably not fully on baseball at the moment so i just really wonder if like, are you going to get the production from a guy that really hasn't been all that great this year? I never you know? understood the Rihanna thing because they dated from like 09 to 2010. Right. And right. But 2011 was his best season. Yeah. yeah. If we're being honest with Matt Kemp, it was never mental with him. It was just the injuries. It was the injuries. Oh, totally. Totally. But yeah, we, we all talked about that era as like uh, Rihanna cursed him temporarily. <laughs> I, I'll never forgive her for that. But uh I, it was I, it was I, no like Chloe Kardashian cursing no, Lamar Odom or no. James Harden or whoever. Right, else. right. But we've seen we've seen like those like off field kind of things, and I just worry, you know, like for him. Like I, I, I legitimately number one, like as a human, because we we talk about these guys like they're you know just on a piece of paper on our fantasy teams, right? And like yeah. I feel bad for the guy, you know, that is a horrible thing to go through, and um, you know, there's going to be healing that's not going to happen overnight, right? And so. You wonder what does that does that impact his baseball? For know, sure. Yeah, things, it, it doesn't even have to be Julie to like the more I like look at the names that are floating out there. It feels like there's a lot of potential starting pitching options, maybe even yeah. more than relievers, which was a good point you brought up earlier. I think the Cubs, obviously Stroman could get traded, mm-hmm. but even Kyle Hendricks could be a sneaky. I mean, he's he's not a strikeout guy, but the guy is like the Walmart version of Greg Maddox. I wouldn't hate. Kyle Hendricks, just because, you know, he can eat up innings and has pitched in big games. And then the Cubs, I mean, the White Sox, obviously Giolito, but they also have Lance Lynn, which I wouldn't be thrilled Mm -hmm. with, but they are more 
potentially in that, uh, more potentially inclined to trading Michael Kopech as well, if it's the right mm-hmm. return. And I feel like he was a top pitching prospect that never got his career really off the mat. And Mark Pryor, maybe he's the guy that unlocks something. Um, who else is out there? That's bad. Uh, I, I like the Cubs, man. I, I like what you said there. I, I think that uh, actually Hendricks is a great, you know, piece that could be a target and, um, you know, he's on the older end. So you're not necessarily talking about long-term investment. And um, it seems like that's kind of how the Dodgers operate, but that is actually a name that I wanted to throw out as well was kind of the Hendricks and Stroman. I agree. It's, it's hard to say exactly if Stroman's the right fit. Uh, you know, you're going to have to pay him a ton too um, for the remainder of the year. So that's something to keep in mind, but Hendricks is a great fit. They also have a bevy of decent relievers. Now, you know, the question that I think we were asked to was um, kind of off the radar, maybe, you know, Mark Leiter Jr. is a heck, a heck of a little reliever, right? Um, that is a long-term investment kind of play that you would have to make. Like, you'd probably have to pony up a decent prospect to prime away, but the dude's K per nine is over 12. Um, he's pretty consistently, you know, going out there and shutting it down. And they've got a couple other relievers that, you know, like going a Hendricks, Mark Leiter Jr. pairing, I would be thrilled if I was the Dodgers on in that side of things. And um, they've got, the Cubs have got a couple other pieces too. Um, but I, I like that team as a connection. It's just a matter of, are they willing to trade and sell that? That's another kind of like Mets situation. Yeah. The other team that I was going to throw out there now that we're, it, it's actually in the NL central as well as the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Really? I talked about Jordan Montgomery last week. He hurt his hamstring. I don't think it'll be a serious injury. But I love that addition. Jack Flaherty, I was a huge Flaherty guy, but he scares me with the injuries. He just doesn't seem like himself still. But I wouldn't hate it, I guess, if they brought him in as a rental. I'm just not sure if I would be thrilled. But then there was talks of maybe even Nolan Arenado. He might accept his fate and be traded this deadline. And God damn, if someone picks up Nolan Arenado, hopefully it's in the American League and not the National League because what a game changer that would be if one of these teams adds Arenado. And thankfully it won't be the Braves because they have Austin Riley. I've heard a horrible conspiracy theory for Dodgers fans, and it's that the Arizona Diamondbacks, you know, they they have a kind of a weaker side at the DH. They can move Christian Walker to DH and then you know, to make that ultra splash, because they've got some decent uh, prospects to work with. They go to St. Louis and bring in none other than Paul Goldschmidt, right? Like, like they get the reuniting and, and what a perfect scenario for them to have the former face of their franchise return in all his glory and lead the Dimebacks, right? I've, I've heard that conspiracy, but I completely think you're right. Like, I actually think Aaron Otto may hear his name called as far as, you know, being on the block. It seems like it's after some of the rumors that I've heard in this area, because we're not far from St. Louis either. We're about three hours away. Um, Obviously there's no concrete proof that Aaron Otto is on the move, but it's, I have heard rumors that there is at least some speculation that that name may actually be called by the time July 31st, it's because the Cardinals are kind of headed in the wrong direction. Now, I, I like the team that you mentioned there, too, because, you know, not only can you talk about Montgomery and, and Flaherty, but on the relief side of things, like what if you go after Hicks? Right. Um, I think that's a solid pickup there. I don't like Giovanni Gallegos, but maybe Pryor can unlock something. You know, we, we look back at kind of Martin, what happened when they acquired him and they turned him around completely. I, I could see Gallegos being kind of like that guy, too. You forced me to bring up Chris Martin because the last time you were on the show, 
Yeah, wasn't just you, so I, yep. I can't throw you under the bus. Oh, I totally but... this this was total. I, you laid on me. I deserve this. You, Jake, David, all thought I was some nutcase <laughs> because I said, "Watch out for Chris Martin. He will be a high leverage reliever." I did not believe it at all, and I was totally wrong. I completely admit my fault on that because, yeah, he he was. <laughs> way better than I ever expected. And so I I honestly think like you could see a guy like Gallegos, right? Like a dude that has not performed particularly well. And the Dodgers look at them and say, well, they've got the potential here or, or they found success in previous years. Let's unlock that potential. I mean, there's the real shot that they do something like that. So, you know, we're all about looking at who's been good in the first half. They could very well go after a reliever that maybe has just been kind of average that has shown in past years that they have potential, or maybe they just like the peripheral numbers. Like it could be anything along those lines. Cause you know, that Chris Martin deal on paper made no sense whatsoever. And outside of the fact that Dodgers needed a relief and then they unlock the potential and Chris Martin becomes one of the best relievers for the Dodgers throughout the rest of the year. So yeah, I mean, first of all, very good job. Very, very, very happy. <laughs> that was a, that was a great call on your part, and I, uh, yeah, I, I admit my mistake on that one. Um, but yeah, I think that that just leads to it, though. Uh, the options are out there as far as you know, not just getting a top end reliever, but maybe they get a second arm that needs some help or or possibly can turn it around. Brooks Rayleigh is interesting to me out of the Mets. If yeah. once again, I I really think the Dodgers need a route for everybody that you know, is on the Dodgers and everybody that faces the Mets and the Cubs, because that could help out their cause uh, quite a bit. I I think the Mets, the Cubs, the White Sox are probably your best connections. You know, you're going to also hear Barlow from the the Royals, who hasn't been particularly great this year, but uh, I don't want him. I, after I found out he was in the Dodgers organization for seven years and couldn't figure it out, which I did not know. I don't know how that escaped me. It's crazy. Yeah. But I don't want I don't want him like I don't know. I he, Or he gets the whole full circle story where he couldn't figure it out. He comes back to L.A. and then he starts dealing. Right. Like it could be it could be one way or another. I will tell you this. I don't want D.J. Ayungle anywhere near this uh, Dodgers organization. I, I don't know if you saw that, but the Dodgers picked D.J. Ayungle the uh, the quarterback for Clemson and now a transfer to Oregon State, mm-hmm. who is probably one of my least favorite quarterbacks in college football. They drafted him. They did one of those classic. We're going to draft a football guy just because of the uh, the athletic raw potential. I, I'm not not for it. <laughs> so to close out this trade deadline talk, I will I will throw it out there right now with the trade deadline being about three weeks away from this moment in time. I think that a lot of people are skeptical that this will be an exciting deadline. I'm going to throw a bold prediction out there though that this is going to be one of the most memorable trade deadlines in the last decade. I think a lot of teams are keeping their cards close to chess or hidden right now because they don't want teams to know what their intentions are because they don't want to drive the trading value down. And so I think when we get to, I guess, July 25th, let's just throw a number out there. You're going to hear a lot, a lot more buzz, more names are going to be on the market. More teams are going to reveal that they're selling and there's going to be a flurry of moves. Couple superstars will get moved. Some high notable pitchers will get moved and some high end relievers are going to get moved. So that's what I'm going to throw out there. Uh, There was also the quote today that I'm sure every Dodger fan heard from heard by now from Shohei Otani when they asked him about the offseason. Don't know the exact context, but 
not just today, but watching guys overall, I feel like Mookie Betts really impresses really impresses me the most because he's so versatile. Just throwing that out there. If there's one it, player that Mookie or that Shohei wants to team up with, looks like it's Mookie Betts. It's it's a really I mean the rumors, man, are going to swirl at this point. They already are, but um the Shohei Otani to the Dodgers rumors, I think there's plenty of realistic expectations that can kind of come into play in the offseason. I have such a hard time seeing the Angels sit there based off of Artie Moreno's, you know, previous moves or lack thereof, right? Like he is a businessman first. And then he's a baseball owner, barely second. And so, you know, I, I if you think about the repercussions as far as him trading Shohei Otani to the Dodgers, now knowing that there's a very decent chance the Dodgers will sign him in the offseason, but think about being the guy that traded the best player in baseball to the crosstown rival. Uh, you're talking jersey sales. You're talking an international population that now turns their attention to your rival that that already has been your bigger brother, right? Like it's it's not yeah. just like a rival; it's your bigger brother. And so I have a, I have such a hard time because the Dodgers could post such a great offer, right? Like an offer that I think the, they could you could say the Angels can't refuse, but I think Artie Moreno will refuse at all costs. It's it, it's it's like trying to deal with you know, somebody that's playing chess with you, that's trying to play checkers. Like it just doesn't work. And Artie has confused me in the past. Um, the only other organization I think that really confuses me as much as the angels or the Rockies. Um, like when the Rockies signed Chris Bryant, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, you make this move, but you couldn't have traded Trevor story and gotten pieces. Like instead you just took a piece out of the qualifying offer. Like, like that organization is all up in flames right now. And the angels are not much better. Um, I, Man, I agree with you though. I think this is going to be a memorable, memorable trade deadline, and it won't necessarily because be because of Shohei Otani. I, I'm telling you, I think Paul Goldschmidt could be more tradable right now than people realize. And he just won the MVP, which would be wild. Yeah, I mean, think about the pieces the Cardinals could acquire. They've been um, so bad with their moves over the last few years. I don't know yeah. who's running that front office, but. The Gallon and Alcantara Alcantara trade for one for Marcel Zuna. They had Randy Rosarena. They had Adolis Garcia. Yeah. Yeah. Just guys that are now all stars. They let go. But I don't know. I don't know where this whole like narrative that Artie Moreno refuses to help the Dodgers spurred from. Because if I'm Artie and the Dodgers offer me the best package, you're probably going to lose them in free agency anyway. So the best right. thing that you could do to tell your fans is I just acquired a bunch of potential all-star players yep. from one of the best pipelines in major league baseball, the Dodgers. And so they can enjoy Otani, but trust us, we're about to develop some all-stars. So we don't have one guy anymore that we couldn't win with. We have three to five guys that are about to be the future of this franchise. Yeah, I and I, you know, I think from a logical standpoint, and I, I like to think that we think logically and Artie thinks however Artie thinks. Um, I, uh, but like I just I don't know, there's something about the LA comp that makes it difficult. Like the idea that you're basically handing your rival your the the face of your franchise, right? And and so I, I wonder if that does come into play. The teams in my head, you know, just kind of realistically i think that are going to be players at this moment um for shohei otani i i really think that texas 
could be if if the Angels are willing to trade within division. You know, if we're talking about if they're willing to trade across the town, then they should also be willing to trade within the division, right? Like it shouldn't matter at that point because I would almost argue that the Dod trading with the Dodgers is like worse for business than it is trading within a division. So I think I don't know because you have to play them so that's often. that's that's the thing. Yeah, I mean it's that's I don't know, man. It's hard either way, but. Uh, I would have to throw the Rangers out. If I'm going to throw the Dodgers name out, I got to throw the Rangers out too, for the same reason. Um, just prospects that are capable of being traded. You know, on our booze and baseball podcast, uh, Derek Johnson and I talked about this. How crazy would it be if the Tampa Bay Rays who have just a bevy of prospects, right? They are loaded with prospects up the wazoo. Like their depth in their, their system is insane. They know that they can't sign Otani. But they also know that they have a window this year to win it all. And think about the marketing aspect. Think about the fact that the jersey sales for, you know, three months. Like, it would it would probably blow up big time. Um, you know, people will talk about how the Rays don't attract a lot of fans. Look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man. I, I There are fans in sports out there, the Lightning, like, they're there. It's just they don't tap into them. Well, yeah. what if they actually use those excess pieces that happen to be really good? I'm talking about, like, the Jonathan Arandas of the world uh, and talking about the Manzardos of the world. Like they, they've got good guys and the Rays could make a play if they wanted to. And that would probably be the least frustrating move in, tar- in terms of moving Otani. Cause you're moving him to a different division. You're moving him to the other side of the country. Um, and you're probably getting really, really good prospects in return too. So I, I honestly kind of got to throw the Rays out there as like, a good fit. I don't I, know if they'll bite the ball. I would right. hate if that happens, but your idea makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And they it's, were in on Freddie Freeman. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And that's exactly it. Now, I don't think that they would even stand a chance to sign him to an extension. Right. But like, if you want a guy that is going to help put you over the top and you think this is the year to do it, like this, this for the Rays is the year to do it, I think. Um, And, you know, to keep it short for you, uh, there's really only a couple other teams that I think stand out. But I will say this. The Reds could sit there and say that they they move Votto to first base and all of a sudden that DH is wide open. The Reds have really struggled for starting pitching. The Reds have, as I mentioned, a ton of good farm pieces. Like they could part with Noel V. Marte, Christian Encarnacion Strand, who doesn't have a spot right now on that starting roster. Like you you get rid of those two in trade. I, it's hard to beat that, right? And uh, you throw out Connor Phillips, a guy that's been striking guys out left and right. All of a sudden, the Reds have the pieces, too. And and I, I don't see them doing it as much because I think the Reds window is further down the road. But I think it's the same concept, right? And the last one's the Braves. Like, imagine if the Braves just went out there and went all in. They've got great, great prospects. They've, uh, they've got the potential to open up that window, too, in the lineup and just make that an over-the-top move. The only weakness the Braves really have is the same as the Dodgers. It's the the health of the rotation, right? And so imagine if they get a Shohei Otani, which same concept, the Angels dishing him. New division, new league across the country. It kind of makes a lot of sense. If the Braves get Otani, it's over, right? It's just done. That would be tragic. It would be tragic. It would, it would right. be tragic. It All really right, would. stop depressing me. Stop depressing <laughs> <laughs> See, no, I told I you my non-biased, I, I, I've become more <laughs> non-biased over the, I've, I've started observing it from a more objective standpoint and I think progressively I get more sad as that happens. But yeah, it's, it's the Dodgers very much in play. I just feel like they're more likely to get Otani in the off season than they would be in a massive trade. Beginning Friday, the Dodgers play the Mets. They're off to New York. They're facing the 42 and 48 New York Mets. 
And the Mets are throwing the best they have at them. Game one will be Justin Verlander against Julio Urias. Kodai Senga will pitch game two. And then he was caught cheating the first go around. Max Scherzer pitches the finale. This Mets team, man, they they got a little bit of a groove going, but then they dropped two or three to the Padres. They're still 18, 19 games back of the Braves. I think they're in denial if they think they can actually contend this season. But they've been just the second biggest disappointment in baseball this season. So for the Dodgers going into the series, they have to at least take two or three. I would think that like, this is a bad team. Put the giant payroll aside. Verlander's been a shell of himself. Max Scherzer's really old. Senga we haven't seen before. So I would imagine he's going to present a challenge, but I mean, the Mets lineup has not really been that impressive this season. Pete Alonso has some serious pop, but he's been in a major slump ever since coming back from the IL. Brandon Nimmo, obviously a guy that gets on base and can be a little bit of a nuisance to the Dodgers. But I mean, other than that, they got rid of Escobar. Brett Beatty's not doing much. Francisco Lindor, I feel like he's never really had a big game against the Dodgers. Uh, I think the Dodgers should be able to take this series. And if I had to guess, I'm hoping Clayton Kershaw is activated in time to pitch one of these games. I'll say they went two out of three. Um, I think Will Smith will have a big series. I think now that he had the all-star break going, his legs will be fresh. I bet Will Smith shows up in New York. The the key to this series truly is going to be neutralize Francisco Alvarez, who's just been on an absolute tear of late. And, and Lindor has been kind of hot too. Uh, Tommy Pham has been hitting all right. Um, but Francisco Alvarez has shown that, you know, his prospect pedigree is kind of legit. Um, the pop, the actual home run power is, is there. Uh, he doesn't really hit any doubles. He just hits the ball out of the ballpark. So uh, when they face Alvarez, they got to make sure they keep the ball low and away from him and uh, no, you know, mistake pitches to Alvarez. Don't let Alvarez beat you. Um, and quite frankly, try not to let Lindor beat you either because you mentioned it like outside of really those two, like Pete Alonso has not been hitting well uh, at all. So you know, you can pitch to him. If Alonzo beats you with a long ball once in a while, that's fine. But um, that's really all he's been doing. He hasn't been consistent in the slightest. I'd rather, you know, kind of pitch to him a little more aggressively and uh, not as much to a really flaming hot Alvarez. Uh, as you mentioned, though, this is a crucial series because we, we kind of talked about it earlier. Like this is a potential trade partner, right? And so let's say the Dodgers sweep the Mets. The Mets are all of a sudden more likely to sell to the Dodgers, right? It's kind of crazy how that works, but um, let's say the Dodgers lose two of three or get swept by the Mets. All of a sudden the Mets are sitting there saying, Oh, we have a fighting chance. Like we just beat, you know, the first place Dodgers, like we're, we're not selling. So that, that hurts them in more ways than just a series. Like now is when it starts to get, okay, teams are figuring out where are they stacking up as the deadline comes. So yeah, it's definitely, a crucial one. It's kind of unfortunate that the Dodgers have to go into this, you know, facing their best, but you know what? Dodgers love to face the best and uh, to beat the champs. You got to knock them out, right? That's how Joe, Joe Davis had put it. So to beat the best, you got to be the best. So um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a fun series. Actually. I really do. And um, maybe a little bit of that kind of heat the Mets had shown. Uh, you kind of hope that the Dodgers can neutralize that early on. Last question about the New York Mets. Does New York have the best pizza? Oh, no, no, they don't. No. Uh, I, so I worked in Chicago for a little bit. I worked actually oh. technically in Evanston okay. and I have a really hard time arguing any pizza beats Lou Malnati's from there. 
Yeah, it's so good, man. The deep dish, like, oh, God, it's elite. New York pizza is really good, but deep dish Luminati's pizza is like to the top degree. Like I bought it and had it shipped to me to California when I lived out there because of how obsessed I was with it. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to say that's my top. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. You're going to be mad at me, but Chicago pizza is so overrated. No, 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 I am am a pizza connoisseur. I was not moved at all by their pizza. Really? I felt like... It, they're almost showboating it. They're like, oh, our pizza is so thick. We're, we're special. You get down to the flavors. I didn't think it was that good. I oh, really I loved didn't. It. I loved it. I like the, I'm a big like meat lovers. Like, like so like Italian sausage, which is bomb out there. And uh, the I pepperoni, bet. deep dish pepperoni and Italian sausage was like to die for. I've, I've worked in New York for a little bit. And I, I mean, the food is incredible as a whole. And maybe that's part of the problem is like everything in New York so good that you start comparing like different foods to each other per se. I think I'd rather go to New York and like get other Italian food per se than just the pizza. Um, the New York slice. I mean, you can't go wrong. Um, you know what I want to try actually is that like judge 99 burger at Yankee stadium. I don't, I, I don't know if you've seen that, but like, no. okay. So only 99 fans, maybe this is just a total marketing ploy. Um, but a couple of my buddies that work for just baseball, uh, they work, they're based in New York. And so they tried the 99 burger, which they only sell 99 of them at Yankee stadium every game. And it's of course, honoring Aaron judge. And they told me it's like really good, like Wagyu beef. And I, I wouldn't mind trying that. So maybe, maybe that's what kind of confuses my mentality is New York food is just so good. And I just really need that 99 burger and I'll get my pizza in Chicago. Fair enough. <laughs> Dollar pizza was sneaky good in New York too. Ooh, ooh. Well, I think okay. I think inflation raised it up to dollar twenty-five, but the, the dollar so. slices were sneaky good. Ooh. I know it's getting late for you, Dusty. So we'll we'll wrap this up pretty soon. After New York, the Dodgers go to Baltimore, and kind of like the American League version of your Reds, the Orioles have all of a sudden brought up all their prospects and are becoming a serious threat out in the AL 54 and 35. The rotation, don't know who they're going to throw out there yet. But, I mean, Austin Hayes was an all-star. Rushman's been a superstar catcher. Gunnar Henderson looks like he's starting to pick it up. And then Santantar, or whatever, whatever, I don't know, 16 home runs. (laughs) Santander, yeah. yeah, Santander. (laughs) Yeah. This is not going to be an easy series. It's not going to be like, oh, sweet, we get the Orioles like in years past. They pose a serious threat. So, Dodger fans, just keep your eyes out. Be defensive. This is going to be a tough series. Baltimore has got a lot of depth, I would say, is the big thing. And uh, they may luck out a little bit because it appears, at least on paper, that Tyler Wells will be starting the series against Miami. 
So the Dodgers maybe can scoot away from facing him. But if not, I mean, Tyler Wells has been one of the most underrated pitchers in baseball. Um, so would be a little concerned about that uh, if they had to go head to head against him. But if they get the latter end of the Baltimore rotation, you're talking about a guy like Cole Irvin, who has been really inconsistent. Um, you may see Kyle Gibson, who is coming off an 11 strikeout performance, uh, really kind of outside of the realm of what he normally puts together, which are inconsistent starts. So uh, I think the Dodgers may luck out a little bit as far as where they run into the Orioles in their rotation, unless they have to face Tyler Wells, that's going to be a bit of a bummer. Tyler Wells is on my fantasy team. You're right. He's been really good. The Orioles have a really strong bullpen, so they're going to have to get to these starters early. They had multiple. I think they had at least one. They might've had multiple guys make the all-star team. They're loaded. They could potentially make the World Series if things go right for them. I can see it. I can see it. All right, Dusty. Second half predictions. So I came up with this segment near the start of the show in my head. So we're going to do it right now. I'm calling it restock or trash. So I'm going to throw out some Dodgers. And do you think the Dodgers are think they're viable enough to restock and give them another chance? Or are they throwing them in the trash? So here we go. Let's do it. Start with Noah Syndergaard. Trash. Uh, I think that his best days are well behind him. Um, if they had actually seen, you know, what they saw in him early on and unlocked it, we would have already seen it by now. I don't see, you know, his Do health. Do you think they bring him you. back? Do you think they uh, give him? No, nah, I, I don't. I, I don't see any real. I mean, like if anything, they just need to buy innings and he's not even going to buy you innings, right? Like he goes out there for two innings and already gives you a, a six run deficit. Like there's no value to him at this point. Uh, he's he's trash. I think the Dodgers will restock him. It's going to leave a lot of customers very upset because like you were saying, I don't think things are going to get better for him, but I do think they'll throw him out there, whether it's out of the bullpen or one more start just to see if there's any hope, but I don't have high expectations. Keep them low. Keep them real low. <laughs> Alex Vesia, restock or trash? restock um i think that he'll still find a way it seems like dave roberts you know continues to go to him and, and you know it's not like he's far removed from quite frankly like being a guest on this podcast right like when y'all were talking oh, yeah. about his like elite fastball and everything like it, it hasn't been that long since then i think at least the leash is a little bit longer for him i said earlier in this podcast that i don't know how he's at the mlb level and and right now that's just simply because he hasn't shown that he really can consistently produce but I also do believe that, you know, some time down in the minors maybe can help revamp him, but I don't know if he's going to get that chance necessarily. I think they straight up restock and keep him up and get what they get out of him. Restock as well over his last four games, he's pitched three and a third innings, only one hit allowed. He had five strikeouts as well over that frame and a couple big ones against Shohei Otani. Yep. Yep, so that was huge. he's looking like he's maybe starting to click the, I think this is the second call up he's had from AAA so far. He's been vintage Alex Vesia. Let's see who else is there. Trace Thompson restock or trash. <laughs> That's trash. That's I don't need to go too much into detail there. Um, you talk about, you know, an area where the Dodgers need depth. They'll trust their youth. I think over, uh, a guy that, quite frankly, can't hit the face of a baseball to save his life. I'm not a big Trace Thompson guy. I threw him in the trash months ago. <laughs> I think he's done as a Dodger. Um, two more. Victor Gonzalez. Ooh, this is the one that I was worried you would say, because 
there is a part of me and this is where my non-bias really has to really take over because the nostalgia of what we saw from past Victor Gonzalez years I mean the guy you know we we saw him as such a potentially dominant reliever at times you know um like he's a guy that's just so difficult for me to sit back and say yeah this guy's done right um Victor Gonzalez though to me is just kind of well past his heyday you're talking about recent appearances he's been terrible I I just I haven't seen him had a chance to turn the corner like like there hasn't been a sign that's made me believe this guy is going to turn the corner so I I hate saying this man because I actually like the player and I want to see him I want him to prove this answer wrong but I gotta say trash I just it's really hard to see him come back with the way he's been pitching i agree dusty he had his very brief linsanity run where it looked like he was back but he has just been brutal appearance after appearance i think he had like a nine era in june something like that he's he was been getting horrible over his last couple appearances too like a 20 era in the last two weeks just brutal yeah he was getting hit very hard uh and i mean there was a reason he was out of the majors for like two years so i i agree i don't think there's any hope for him um and then the final guy not really a restock or trash but i'll just throw it out there do you think ryan pepio makes an impact this season you know we haven't seen enough of him right like we just haven't seen enough of him to know a health wise, how quickly can he respond? I, I think, you know, I, my mentality on injuries has changed a lot after suffering this ACL injury myself. Like if any Dodgers fan steps out there and says, Gavin Lux is coming back and better than ever. The moment that he's like healthy, I'm going to stop them in their tracks and say, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because, you know, there are players where it takes them over a year to fully recover. Right. And um, with guys like Pepio, it's kind of, I just, I can't tell you right now how much I trust the health. I I'll say restock is the simple answer because like, he's going to be a key piece of the future of the Dodgers, right? Like, like they're not by any means like letting him drop off. His, his trajectory is completely different than any of these previous names. But um, as far as producing specifically this year, it's so hard that I would have to say like for this particular year, trash. But like following years, yeah, absolutely restock. Like I, I think he'll be a good pitcher. Um, but I have a hard time trusting guys that are directly out of injury and um, you know, answering that Lux, kind of throwing Lux out there as well. Like, you know, some people have hope that Lux can somehow make a comeback late in the year here. I'm telling you right now, man, Lux is about a month and a half ahead of me, which in baseball time, that's two and a half because he's got way more time to work on rehab than I do. It is hard, man. It's hard to walk around, it's hard to run. Like the the strength it, I, I would try to go to the cage in like a month from now. And I guarantee you, I would not be able to hit the ball half as hard as I used to. Like it, it takes your whole body out of it um, from an ACL injury. So um, if any Dodgers fans are sitting there thinking, what about Gavin Lux? That that's this year. It's trash. Once again, kind of the same answer for him as I have for Pepio. Like I just, it's hard to trust guys that are coming directly out of injury. The trade deadline will be the key date. Not so much whether Pepe will be a Dodger shipped to another team. But I think if he can be back on the mound by August 1st, that gives him about two months to see what he has. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot better than what we saw last year with Dustin May, who came back in September. It just wasn't enough time because then 
once may had his little setback, he was done for the season right. with the back. So if Pepio's back at the start of August and he can get ramped up, I don't know if that'd be a starter role or out of the bullpen, but there that's an opportunity for Pepio to provide some type of value to this Dodgers team. Now they're going to have to be cautious. Uh, they're going to have to be really cautious because this kid is supposed to be a key future piece. Right. And so on one hand, you want him, you know, to be able to pitch and, and offer value. But on the other hand, you know, you saw Dustin May and them ramp him up so quickly, young arm. And, you know, he gets the setback this year. Obviously, we we know the history there. How much of damage can it cause to almost rush a guy back? I don't know. And, and that's why it kind of it's the extent of the injury that's hard. Like, it's a big question mark. I think none of us can really answer at this time until we actually see Pepiot in person. We see what he's capable of doing. Um, what's, what are his limits? Like I would imagine knowing the Dodgers organization, they're going to slow him into it. That would be my guess. And that's kind of where I get that thought process. Um, but yeah, I mean, he definitely like, as far as timelines concerned in, in comparison to may, at least he's got a little bit of, of room for error. I just, I don't think I see the Dodgers throwing him into the fire so quickly, in what are going to be crucial games, right? Like it, that's, that's, what's hard for me to see, um, but they may have to, right? Like they may have to do that depending on the health of the rest of the rotation. Exactly. And then Dusty, just give me one, any Dodgers second half prediction that comes to mind. Yeah. Um, you know, I, we talk a lot about Mookie Betts. We talk a lot about Freddie Freeman as like the MVPs. I'm going to give a prediction on JD Martinez. Uh, you know, I, I've tried to be pretty real and uh, non-biased with a lot of stuff. I'm blown away by JD Martinez, man. And uh, I've been fortunate. I hit with Robert Van Skoyak. Like that was my hitting coach. And JD Martinez was also, um, you know, coached up and completely changed his swing. Thanks to Robert. I think the hype is real. I think JD Martinez ends the season with a 265, 270 average. Um, but his slugging percentage will be, you know, upwards of like 530. Like I, I think you're going to see something in that category. Um, as of right now, I want to say that his, his slugging percentage, it's, it's on par with that, um, over like the entire course of the season over the last month, it's dropped a little bit, but I'm going to say JD Martinez hits 38 home runs or more. And yeah, his slugging percentage is at 570. So that would be even be a drop off. I, I mean, I'm thinking like 530 is the minimum that you're going to see. And you're going to see 38 bombs or more. Like he's going to keep it going in the second half here would be insanity and awesome hope that happens and my second half prediction will be julio arias will lead the dodgers starting staff in second half era to five okay i mean that's pretty fair like that's kind of what we expected uh before all the the injuries and everything that kind of fell in between i just hope that arias can get back on track uh you know like that kid's got ace potential like he's basically is an ace uh, on any given day it's it would be nice to see him return to full health. And yeah, that would be a great, that would be huge for this team. I mean, like they need arms, they need guys that eat innings. So they're going to need to reus big time. Dusty, thank you so much for coming on. Last thoughts from you. Give me your final thoughts, your final takeaways you want. Any, I'll give you whatever amount of time you want. Final, final thing is for you. Yeah. A couple Dodgers fans were really upset with me because I, you know, a couple of weeks ago that I had basically said that this was not a good enough team to win the world series. Right. Like, and I kind of quoted it as saying like, this is not a good team. 
it is a good team now. Like it, this team is, it's a solid team. Do I think they can win the world series though with the current roster assembly? No, not at all. Like there are moves that have to make if they are standing pat at the deadline or if they let other teams jump out and, and get the guys that we mentioned on this podcast, like you have to just sit here and, and be honest with yourself. The Braves are the team in baseball right now to be and the Rays are not that far behind. Um, if those two teams or one of those two teams gets stronger and the Dodgers don't like, I don't see how it's possible. The Dodgers go out and win the world series. I like they're going to need to make pieces, address the bullpen. Uh, they're probably going to need to address the rotation and they may need to address in some way, shape or form that second base position too. So I, I would like to see the Dodgers be active at the deadline. I think that's really what it comes down to. And if they're active at the deadline, then it's anybody's game. Because if you have a lineup that features Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, J.D. Martinez, Will Smith, and you have pieces around them that can help you know, produce in different ways, specifically, I would say, on the pitching side, you have a chance as anybody to win the World Series, right? The way you don't have a chance to win the World Series is when you have a total gaping hole uh, that they kind of have in the bullpen right now, right? And so that needs to be addressed. That needs to be step one. And if they do that, we'll talk again because my talks about them being a World Series candidate will change completely. But as of right now, as of the construction on July, you know, the 12th, I don't see this team being better than the Atlanta Braves. I don't see them better than the Tampa Bay Rays. I see them more in line with kind of a playoff team, maybe can make it through the first round and then eliminate it in the NLCS. That, that's kind of where I'd see them being. Um, so they need to make some moves if they want to get over the hump. That's fair enough. We'll see what they do. Hopefully they don't disappoint. <laughs> Last season, they got the pitcher. They didn't get the bat. I want an Ian Happ. They got us Joey Gallo. That was the difference. That did not go well. <laughs> not go well. That's Dusty Baker, everyone. You can follow him on Twitter at Dusty Baker TV. You can follow him on Instagram as well. Just search Dusty Baker. I'm sure he pops up. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dusty, for coming on. He's recorded on the East Coast, everybody. He is adapting. He is thriving out there. He is the man of Kentucky now. <laughs> hey, I, if you need your horse bet racing uh, information, I got you covered there too. So th thanks so much for having me. Best uh, Dodgers podcast. And uh, looking forward to talking after the deadline about what this team does. Can't wait as well. Make sure to subscribe to the Incline Dodgers wherever you get your podcast. Hit that like button on YouTube. Subscribe if you're a YouTube follower and follow us on social media as well. Instagram, thread, Twitter, whatever the hell they're pumping out these days. Everyone, enjoy the second half. Plenty more of baseball to talk about. We'll see you next time. Go Dodgers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.